0: last week on the Sonic Truth Dynasty podcast, as well as some older stuff that obliterated Nate or was a little bit naughty. Right off the bone.
1: Poor QT. It's going to be the Will Fuller-DeAndre Hopkins show even more than before. Oh my God, guess who they have? They can play in the slot. Oh my God. Duke Johnson.
0: Perfect timing, man.
1: Can you name a running back that's had more undeserved volume in his career to this point than Lamar fucking Miller? The fakest bell cow in the history of the NFL. La Marmilla Vanilla. La Marmilla Vanilla.
0: Oh, God, don't do this. And
1: I can see the hamster wheel turning in your head as you vacillate between James Washington and Dante Moncrief. There's a lot of rookies in this particular draft class that look like Dante Moncrief. So why not just go get Dante Moncrief? That guy's not a sleeper. That guy's not a breakout candidate. Fuck everyone. And. Fading Christian Kirk, because you were worried about life after Sam Bradford in Arizona? (laughs) Can you imagine? Man, you are the host of multiple Dynasty podcasts, and I asked the most straightforward question, and you gave me exactly nothing! If you did any prep whatsoever, looked at the rankings once, checked the show sheet once, listened to the clip of Marshawn Lynch talking to John Wertheim once, you would know all these things!
0: What? Me?
1: Man. Can you name a single Nirvana song?
0: Uh, that one that has the line that says, Jeremy spoke or whatever says. Jeremy spoke, Jeremy says by Nirvana. Sounds right. Am I wrong? You are
1: every kind of wrong. <laughs> God damn it.
0: <laughs> Jeremy says. And
1: Jimmy Garoppolo and his stunning good looks and large equipment. Oh, oh, oh,
0: oh. oh baby. Oh, shirt's coming off. Oh, oh. It's going to be a good show. And
1: was that Kirsten Dunst dream a wet dream? <laughs> no, it wasn't a wet dream. Thank you very much. I have had a wet dream once. When I was 15, I woke up and I was having sex with my pillow. This fucking show has no boundaries.
0: And Todd Haley and his wife don't believe in wearing clothes at all. And was I relating that to something sexual? It's the best way to go out on a sweatpant boner.
1: And is this the time when you think people start masturbating to the show?
0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Sonic Truth Dynasty podcast. I'm your host, Nate Liss. You can find me on Twitter at an outraged Jew. And once again, with me is Mr. Matt Kelly. You can find him on Twitter at fantasy underscore mansion. Okay, Matt, what what is the word tonight? There's nothing going
1: on. Mm. There's nothing. We're between week one and week two of preseason. It's been a very light news week across the NFL. However, a bit of news came across my desk that piqued my interest the word out of Jacksonville is Leonard Fournette can catch that Leonard Fournette is a quality receiver out of the backfield and while I don't believe that Leonard Fournette is an above average receiver for a running back I don't believe that it did remind me that there are no other running backs on that depth chart that he is alone on that running back depth chart that no other running back in the league faces less competition for touches than Leonard Fournette, and this offense will be better. And I think the paradox for Fournette is less carries could mean more fantasy points because John Filippo is a pass-first offensive coordinator historically. He was the reason why Kirk Cousins went over 600 attempts last season. I think this is good news for... Nick Foles, it's good news for all the receivers, but it's good news for the Jacksonville Jaguars offense in general, and that includes Leonard Fournette, because if the offense is more efficient, if it's scoring more points, leaning pass more than run, then that means Leonard Fournette's going to get a lot more red zone carries. And all you need are touches in the red zone to score those touchdowns, and it's not going to be anyone else but Leonard Fournette. And if they go ahead and start using him in the passing game, because they're thinking, well, we're not going to run the ball, but we want to get Leonard Fournette involved. Well, if you're a pass first team, you call more screen plays. It actually makes perfect sense that this would be the post-hype bounce back season for Leonard Fournette, because if not this year, it's never going to happen.
0: Yeah, I mean, you kind of have to go back to 2017 when Fournette played nearly a full season's worth of games, but If you look at 2017, he was still targeted a a decent amount. I mean, we saw Leonard Fournette targeted 48 times in 2017 with 36 receptions. So it's not like we haven't seen him used almost in a Mark Ingram type role. But I ran a query on Leonard Fournette's 2017 season. I set the criteria at 250 rush attempts and over 36 receptions. And in 13 games, there are only, including him, seven players since 2000 to log over 250 carries and over 36 receptions in 13 games. And those are Fred Taylor, Arian Foster, Clinton Portis, Edgerrin James, Arian Foster again, and Le'Veon Bell. So good company to be in. So we have seen Fournette do some special things. I agree with you. He's not an elite receiver. But if volume is going to be on his side... Uh, I think he's more than capable of of being a PPR asset, as unbelievable as that might sound to some people. One of the questions we get
1: from player profiler users involves Leonard Fournette's college target share. They can't believe it. Leonard Fournette, 11.9%, 84th percentile college target share. How is that possible? It's possible because on an extremely low-volume offense in his final year at LSU, he came out early. So his final year was his junior year. He only played seven games. We all know about the ankle issues, the foot and ankle problems, going all the way back to his time at LSU, and he suffered that ailment in his junior year. Fifteen receptions in seven games. Now That's more than two receptions per game. In a normal college season, if you go more than two receptions per game, you're going to go well over 25 receptions. And if you do that, you'll be viewed as an all-purpose back. That's all it takes. So it's true. Leonard Fournette is not a one-dimensional running back. He's just a running back that's been trapped on a low-volume, inefficient offense, and his body has betrayed him. If his body doesn't betray him, and John DeFilippo and Nick Foles and an improved offensive line lead to more scoring, then we could see Leonard Fournette finally reach his potential in his third year in the league. It's not a huge leap to make. Leonard Fournette would be a top 10 running back. And if Leonard Fournette's a top 10 running back, at his age, he's only 24 years old, he vaults right back into that top five conversation in Dynasty. I wouldn't put him in there, but there are plenty of Leonard Fournette stands across fantasy football just waiting for their moment. Just waiting for a game, not not a season. A season! That's, That's best case scenario. All he needs is week one. If he finishes as an RB1 in fantasy in week one, you're going to see all the stands come out. They've been waiting. They've just been lurking around in the shadows waiting,
0: and they will step out of the shadows. And I'm here for it. I can't wait. I'm excited to see it. And let's not forget, this is still going to be a good Jacksonville defense in 2019. And as you said, a super thin running back depth chart and an even thinner wide receiver group. So the focal point will be Leonard Fournette. And it's not going to object- matter,
1: though, because the AFC South has a difficult schedule across the board. Texans, Colts, Titans, they all have a more difficult schedule this year than last year, and that means the Jacksonville Jaguars won't have the luxury of running the ball. They're going to have to pass to score points because they will be playing from behind. And it's counterintuitive, but... It's a positive for Leonard Fournette. It means he'll be more active in the passing game, and it means he'll be receiving more red zone carries, and that's how you score your points in fantasy football. It's not the low calorie between the 20s carries. Those don't help you.
0: Well, it'll be interesting, though, to see where Nick Foles puts this team. I mean, they haven't had a quarterback like Nick Foles, and I'm not saying Foles is elite by any means, but
1: Blake Bortles was awful. He's elite compared to Bortles. If there's a sliding scale and Bortles is on one end of the spectrum, then it makes everybody else elite. It's not the bell curve, it's the Bortles curve.
0: I I want to make a case for Nick Foles being capable of keeping Jacksonville in close football games, but I continue to go back to the fact that there is no one on this roster to throw the ball to. I mean, I think we like Didi Westbrook enough. We hope Chris Conley can break out of this shell that he's been in since he got in the league. We hope... Josh Oliver does something, does something. I don't know what could happen here. There's there's no hope. I'm I'm sad. What do you mean there's no hope? There's
1: some hope, but the problem is Josh Oliver is a rookie tight end, and rookie tight ends rarely produce. You've noticed very little, if any, training camp buzz generated by rookie tight ends. TJ Hawkinson Making some plays in practice because TJ Hawkinson is fucking awesome. He's one of the best tight end prospects of all time. Short of that guy, there's no buzz. And I like a bunch of these rookie tight ends, but because they're tight ends, they're not going to produce significant fantasy points as rookies. That's why you can't draft them in the second round. You have to wait until the third round, ideally the fourth round, to get a guy like Josh Oliver. I like Josh Oliver. And I like Cahill Waring. And you need to remember that these players are good. Because they are going to disappear from view. They will be on the bench. Cahill Waring is not going to be the starting tight end in week one. It's going to be Jordan Thomas. While Jordan Thomas is outscoring touchdowns. Because everyone who's tethered. Deshaun Watson is going to score touchdowns this year. Deshaun Watson is going to break fantasy football this year. As both a prolific passer and prolific runner the other quarterbacks around the league other than Kyler Murray are one or the other. Deshaun Watson and Kyler Murray happen to be both. But Cahill Waring has a 116.2 78th percentile Spark X score because he's at the 67th percentile or above across all the workout metrics and he was very productive at San Diego State, that dominator rating pushing 20%. Cahill Waring is going to be a player. It just may not happen this year. So you need to write his name down now, and when October rolls around, and those that drafted Cahill Waring, those that drafted a very similar player in Josh Oliver, I mean, it's very hard to tell Waring and Oliver apart. You go approach the owners of those tight ends, and say, hey, remember, you have Waring and Oliver stashed, and they haven't done anything, and they're probably busts? Let's throw these guys into deals. That's the way to go. That's how you capitalize on the predictable buzz void for rookie tight ends, especially in preseason and early in the NFL regular season.
0: And, yeah, I mean, you, you, you hit it on the head. We've talked about this numerous times on the show over the years. The tight ends take a while to kind of find their groove. Some of these guys break out sooner than expected, and it's typically the more athletic ones that do. But we found a lot of young athletic tight ends that have entered the league this year. I mean, we were just talking about Darren Waller, and there's one right behind him, right? Foster Moreau, another guy that's hyper-athletic. And when we were just talking about Darren Waller now, we were talking about dealing with injuries. Foster
1: Moreau, Jay Sternberger, Caleb Wilson, Dawson Knox, we have heard exactly nothing, not much, about these players throughout training camp and preseason, absolutely nothing, why should they stash Foster Moreau,
0: Why should they stash Foster Moreau? Well, obviously, Foster Moreau was one of the most athletic tight ends in this class. You just talked about Cahayle warning us.
1: Is it obvious? It's not obvious. It's only obvious to those that have playerprofiler.com. If you don't have playerprofiler.com, it's not obvious at all. You're like, who the hell is this Foster Moreau guy? He he was drafted in the fourth round? Ew. Day three? Ew. But look at those workout metrics. 82nd Mm -hmm. percentile speed score, 84th percentile burst score, 84th percentile agility score. Nice.
0: And, you know, and they might say, ew, but you know who was drafted in the fifth round of the NFL draft that seemed to pop?
1: George Kittle was a fifth rounder? Shut your mouth. I will not shut it. I'm not
0: going to let the I draft can't
1: believe round... that draft class. Can you believe that draft class included O.J. Howard, Evan Ingram, David Njoku, and George Kittle? Stacked. Is that the best tight end draft class of all time?
0: It, yeah, absolutely is. And on the surface...
1: Well, I don't know what absolutely... There was a class with Aaron Hernandez and
0: Rob Gronkowski. Yeah, and we're not supposed to say Aaron Hernandez's name on here. You're going to lose sponsors, dude. You probably just lost one right now. This show is sponsored. Apex
1: Money Leagues, and a stipulation of the sponsorship is that we mention the name Aaron Hernandez, actually, so you, you've never been more wrong in your life, Nate. Mm, typical. Apex Money Leagues is the place you go to maximize your payouts, and the skill involved to win. So those of you who think you're good at fantasy football need to go to prove that you're good at fantasy football, and those that know they're good want to be paid for their abilities. And it's no wonder that those go to Apex Money Leagues. And and my favorite thing about Apex Money Leagues is that New leagues are being set up all the time, and these leagues are going live at a high rate of speed because Apex jumps in and will add money to the payout pool to ensure that leagues fill. It's the first time I've heard of that, and it's another reason to play on Apex. ApexFantasyLeagues.com So you like Foster Moreau, huh?
0: Yeah, I do like Foster Moreau. If you look at Foster Moreau's college profile... It really does also look similar to George Kittle's profile in a lot of ways. I mean, the production w- was low. I mean, t- t- you're not wrong. 20 to 22 receptions, you know, uh, yards per reception, not that high. 14 for Kittle, 12 and a half for Foster Moreau. So a lot of similarities there. And and we know that LSU has never been a pass happy location. It's never been that type of passing offense.
1: Have you seen Leonard Fournette's target share?
0: Right, I was going to say <laughs> Spencer Ware, Jeremy Hill, Stephen Ridley, take your pick, nobody gets targeted in the offense. Run first all day. But I like his chances in Oakland. 22 years old, playing behind Darren Waller, a guy who's been in the league for a while, converted as a wide receiver out of Georgia Tech, finally getting buzz in this Oakland training camp. Too much buzz. Too much buzz probably.
1: Darren Waller is officially overrated. That's why you need to roster Foster Moreau. That's right. Roster Foster. If you don't believe in Darren Waller and there's no reason to believe in him, I'm pessimistic about his chances. You gotta roster Foster Moreau. (laughs) Get Foster on your roster. It's good. You like that? I'm so good at rhyming. You would think I'd be better at rapping, but I'm just not. No, I
0: I don't. I wouldn't think you'd be better at rapping at all, to be honest with you. Remember LaMamilla Vanilla? Oh, yeah. No, I do. How could I forget? It's seared into my brain. You'd like to forget. No, I tried to
1: forget. You talked about Blake Bortles earlier, and thinking about Blake Bortles brought back memories of Allen Robinson's 1,400-yard season with Blake Bortles under center. And I asked the question on social media, is this the best wide receiver season of all time? And the answer came back a resounding no. Despite that context, Josh Gordon had an even better season, over 1,600 yards in only 14 games. Yes. With Brian Hoyer and Jason Campbell and Brandon Whedon at quarterback. That, 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 Nate, is the greatest wide receiver season of all time.
0: I, I don't disagree. None of these quarterbacks had a completion percentage over 60%. I mean, I can't believe that season happened. Like, I still can't believe it. Just absolute garbage. I mean, it's like on some Andre Johnson level in a couple of cases. I mean, he he dealt with some some stuff in his time, too. But, yeah, that Josh Gordon year was absolutely ridiculous.
1: I can't believe the, the yards per reception with those quarterbacks. I just can't believe it. I'm just, I, I'm still stunned five years later. But what about Allen Robinson? I feel like Allen Robinson is a buy because he's in his super prime. But Dynasty Leaguers see that age 26, and it might as well be 30. Like they just skip ahead to 30. Like, oh, you're, you're just past the age apex. You passed it yesterday. That's over. I want someone who's on the way up, not who's in decline and Alan Robinson isn't in decline. He's directly in his prime, not in
0: decline. Don't. Just stop. No? No. Please. Please, God. No? <laughs> no. If Mitchell Trubisky is simply
1: better than Blake Bortles, that's all he needs to be for Alan Robinson to be re-unlocked. He was trapped on the league's worst offense, led by Blake Bortles, tears his ACL, comes back, and in the first season after rehabilitating a reconstructed knee, he suffers from some of the most erratic passing in the league. Blake Bortles' 2.9 target accuracy when targeting Allen Robinson last year was outside the top 50. And Allen Robinson's 68.1% catchable target rate was outside the top 90. The passes simply weren't catchable and yet his drop rate of 2.1 percent was also outside the top 90 because alan robinson doesn't drop passes so if blake bortles i mean mitchell trubisky can be marginally better incrementally more accurate this season finally 100 percent, more than a year removed from the torn acl at age 26 in his super prime One of the best contested catch conversion wide receivers in the NFL. He was top 20 in contested catch rate last year. He's one of the strongest wide receivers at the catch point, even though he lacks target separation. It just doesn't matter. He's one of the league's prototypical Alpha X receivers. There's not enough of them, and we should appreciate the ones we have while they're here, especially while they're in their prime!
0: I don't disagree with anything you said. I'm in lockstep. We talked about Alan Robinson. Sigmund Bloom had some great takes about him on the Sigmund Bloom. Good old Sigmund Bloom. You talked to Sigmund Bloom on the Breakout Finder podcast.
1: I can't get Sigmund Bloom to come on the Roto Underworld Radio Mind of Mansion show. I've been trying for years. I've
0: been going through back channels. He won't return my calls. You know, sometimes uh, you just got to know somebody that uh, that shares a uh, a similarity. Their people, his people, are my people. We have the same people.
1: Did Ryan hook you up with him?
0: <laughs> yeah, this is all Ryan. I look. Let's talk about Alan Robinson for a minute. Did Ryan hook you up with him? I'm so jealous. You got to talk to
1: a legend in this business, Sigmund Bloom.
0: That's right. And he came on, and he uh, he was poetic, Matt. I mean. I was giggling to myself the whole time. The way he was talking was just, he kept using the word beautiful and, and rainbows, and we're all just harmonious. And it just, the whole time had me giggling, because it was just, he's in this world, and the way he speaks, it's just... Uh, Very different from this show, it sounds like. It's a throwback. No, it's, Yeah, there's no boner and fart sounds and trash can lid banging. I don't know if you use that sound effect. The point is point is can we talk about alan robinson or do you want to continue talking about sigmund Bloom? i'm not saying anything i'm letting you talk <laughs> i i know you're going back to this look alan robinson has age on his side it's exactly like you said it feels like we forgot about him he feels like he's 30 at this point point. and really what it comes down to and you again brought this up already uh you know you you took everything already but i'm gonna try here We talked about Mitchell Trubisky needing to take a step forward. If you look at 2018, Mitchell Trubisky week four through week 10, this is when he was playing some of his best football in 2018, finishing as the quarterback one, five, two, eight, 21, and then two again. Uh, Over these course of games right here. He's so volatile. It's true. He is so volatile. He's as
1: erratic on a weekly basis with his fantasy points as he is throwing passes to the outside.
0: Well, he really book-ended the the production. The year started outside the top 20, it ended outside the top 20, but inside the middle there, he was a, he was a top 10 quarterback for four or five weeks. The question is, is that step forward going to happen? But when you look at the Chicago Bears offense, nothing nothing really changed. No no consequence was brought to to Allen Robinson's target opportunity. Taylor Gabriel's not one. Anthony Miller didn't do much his first year. Cordell Patterson is not going to do anything. Riley Ridley's not going to do shit. Riley Ridley is going to do exactly squat. That's right. Wide receiver seven on this offense. (laughs) Maybe, maybe. The point is, it is wheels up for Allen Robinson because, uh, you know, unquestionably he's the wide receiver one here. He would have gone over 100 targets, well over 100 targets last year had he not had the the time lost in that season. So you should be buying at his price tag. It's so low right now.
1: He's the perfect wide receiver to trade for in Dynasty. And it's one of the reasons why I typically avoid drafting wide receiver in round one of rookie drafts. That's when I stockpile my running backs because I prefer to trade for veteran receivers – Proven producers who, for whatever reason, the community has soured on, right? There's Allen Robinson fatigue. The moment the fatigue sets in, I move in and trade for those players because I don't want to burn roster spots on developmental wide receivers. My developmental roster spots are predominantly occupied by upside running backs that, if given an opportunity, could be RB1s, not developmental wide receivers. Because I'm trading for established producers and don't need to backfill my bench with wide receivers that are unlikely to gain relevance. Last year, my most frequently drafted player in the first round of rookie drafts was Nick Chubb. I have more Nick Chubb than any other 2018 running back. And last year, Nick Chubb finished top 10 in the league in yards created on player profiler. Despite a 37.1 snap share and a 48.4% opportunity share, it was outside the top 25 because he wasn't the starter until well into the season. Remember, it was Carlos Hyde. In seasonal leagues, Carlos Hyde was being drafted before Nick Chubb. Do you remember that? Are you old enough to remember those days when Browns running back Carlos Hyde was being drafted before Browns running back Nick Chubb? It feels like
0: eons ago, but that happened, Nate. Absolute mistake. A lot of people didn't win their leagues with that sort of process. You think that drafting a
1: Carlos Hyde who is destined to lose his starting role to Nick Chubb isn't the way to go, you think, Nate? I do. And now Nick Chubb is creeping into the first round of seasonal league drafts with Duke Johnson in Houston. And you look at that Nick Chubb profile, the most impressive Statistical dichotomy on this player page. Not dichotomy. Dichotomy, Nate. What's that word? Yeah, got it. Nick Chubb, top 10 in the league in yards created and yards created per carry and top 10 in breakaway run rate, despite facing 7.1 defenders in the box, top 10 in the NFL. So his average defenders in the box was almost as high as Derrick Henry, and yet all he did was evade tackles and create yards and break away and, in many cases, score touchdowns. Few running backs scored as many breakaway touchdowns as Nick Chubb. And now this year, the offense projects to be more efficient, more prolific, with less competition for touches. This means more goal line carries, more red zone touches, and less defenders in the box. This is the case for Nick Chubb. It's a rare thing that a proper between-the-tackles runner would get me so aroused because I prefer the all-purpose skill set. But in this particular case, you have the high-pedigree elite prospect in Nick Chubb, one of the best seasons for a college running back of all time in his first season at Georgia, and just continues to meet or exceed expectations every year that he plays the sport of football and you drop that player on that offense should be one of the highest scoring offenses at least in the AFC in that context even a running back who's not a strong pass catcher out of the backfield can be a top five running back in fantasy football and thinking about that gets me
0: so aroused I am way more aroused than you are because you didn't mention the most important factor here. The most important factor. He may not be a good receiver. He may not be a slick receiver. He's got receiving capabilities. Duke Johnson going to Houston opened up a whole new universe for Nick Chubb in terms of opportunity in the pass game. We're not going to see Kareem Hunt early. I know you're a fan of Dontrell Hilliard, I'm sure, as the, the passing down role. I mean, you
1: were on the show last week. Were you not on the show with me last week when we talked about Dontrell Hilliard? Did we do a show last week on this show? We talked about Dontrell Hilliard for at least two minutes on the Sonic Truth podcast last week. You were there. I saw you in the monitor. You don't remember?
0: I'm not here right now. He just shakes his head. I love it. The the point is that there's an obvious opportunity bump here for Nick Chubb in the past game too and that's the one thing that you really want to see out of Nick Chubb but I'm with you. He's so good as a runner.
1: He's so good as a runner. It just doesn't matter if you're the featured back on the Browns. It doesn't matter. He's going to score so many touchdowns, Nate. I know, hundreds of touchdowns. Hundreds. Literally hundreds of touchdowns.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: Rashard Higgins is also going to score more fantasy points than he ever has. Yeah. It's a guarantee that Rashard Higgins is going to eat this season as a moderately featured member of this passing game. He's the number three. But the number three for Baker Mayfield, the number three for the Browns is interesting. Just like the number three for the Rams is interesting. The number three receiver for The Texans, Kiki QT, was interesting before the high ankle sprain. We're always looking for that third receiver on the prolific offense that can be had at value in fantasy drafts. So why not Rashard Higgins? Why is he the guy that lacks the brand equity? Is it because he was a fifth-round pick? I mean, he was drafted, 43.6% dominator rating, 88th percentile. 18.9 92nd percentile breakout age so he was a precocious producer at the college level gets drafted works his way up the depth chart and has delivered more splash plays generated more buzz this offseason in camp and preseason than Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham combined but that's not enough to generate any excitement in fantasy football I don't get it now he's gone up 32 slots in high-stakes leagues just in the last couple weeks. So there is a certain segment of the fantasy population that is paying attention, but the enthusiasm is still muted. He should be going 10 rounds higher than he is in Dynasty startups in particular. All of you listening to this show that participated in Dynasty startup this season should be ashamed of yourself for not selecting Rashard Higgins sooner.
0: I'm with you, man. The number three here, even though it is Odell Beckham and it is Jarvis Landry, could be a player to covet. And Rashard Higgins, going back to 2016 in the breakout finder, ranked number three in the class, only behind. Shut your mouth. I will not shut it. Only behind Tyler Boyd, who was number one. Surprise, surprise, breakout player. And Sterling Shepard, who was number two, who's played well thus far in his NFL career. And what's impressive about Rashard Higgins...
1: If Rashard Higgins is some combination of Sterling Shepard and Tyler Boyd, that's a win, baby.
0: That is a win. And and what's really impressive is he only had a 7.9 for his teammate score, meaning that he didn't really have anybody of consequence on his roster that was working into his opportunity. So he was the guy. Game after game, teams knew this is who they had to stop. And his sophomore year at Colorado State, let's go back in time... 96 catches, 1,750 yards, and 17 touchdowns.
1: 1,750 yards in college?
0: In college, as a sophomore. Oh, my. Oh, my. Early freshman production, I mean, it's there. The The requisite, the resume, it's all there. Everything you needed to see is there. He's the original Hollywood. He is the original, yes. Marquise Brown
1: stole his nickname. And Rashard Higgins should outproduce Marquise Brown in fantasy football this season. The real Hollywood. (laughs) And I think James Conner is the real workhorse back in Pittsburgh. And and we've been going back and forth talking about the potential of Jalen Samuels. And there's potential for Jalen Samuels. There's potential that he has some standalone value. Especially if Pittsburgh becomes more run-oriented or more... Running back oriented, calling more screenplays, getting Jalen Samuels out in space, playing him in the slot, feeding him targets. It's possible. And if anything happens to James Conner, Jalen Samuels is going to be an all purpose monster. But that's a big if. As of today, James Conner is a six foot, 230 pound workhorse who was one of the most productive running backs in the league last year. And if you go back to his time at Pittsburgh, he was one of the most productive running backs at the college level. And then he got cancer. And then he came back from cancer. The problem is he participated in the explosion drills and the agility drills and the 40 while he was recovering from cancer. So if there was ever a set of workout metrics on playerprofiler.com to discount if there was ever a best comparable player in James Conner's case, Jordan Howard, that you could disregard. It's all these core measurables and all the information related to James Conner because that's what we do on the show. We provide important context because you can just go to playerprofiler.com. You can just go to breakoutfinder.com and get more information than most fantasy leaguers have to go dominate a draft. That's why so many of you are champions.
0: champions,
1: Proud of you. But if you want to take it to the next level, you listen to the podcast, because we wrap these player pages in the necessary context that you need to be the best fantasy gamer that you can be
0: they should be buying james Conner too and that's a great point you should check out breakoutfinder.com and playerprofiler.com james Conner, th- there should be no fear in in selecting james Conner whatsoever you look back just to last year number 11 and carries number 13 and targets that's in 13 games i mean in this offense james Conner would have been easily inside the top 10 in in both of these opportunity metrics he's a proper bell cow Absolutely a proper bell cow. You, you know, you look at his yards per touch, breakaway runs, number four. I mean, there was no reason not to be a fan.
1: Sometimes you just don't want to overthink it, Nate. 21.2 fantasy points per game is 21.2 fantasy points per game.
0: Yes. As long as James Conner is in the Pittsburgh Steelers offense and Ben Roethlisberger is the quarterback, I am buying James Conner. Yeah, plus
1: .81 game script was top 10 in the league. The Pittsburgh Steelers often play with a lead and feed James Conner in all phases. This is not a player you overthink. He has completely remolded his body post-cancer. And I bet if he went out and retested, he would show significantly better burst and agility and straight-line speed than what you're seeing on playerprofiler.com. But we don't have that luxury. NFL players do not participate in an annual combine. We have the data that we have, but we also have this podcast so you know about the necessary adjustments you need to make when synthesizing the data in front of you. And I have noticed a distinct lack of buzz around Gary Jennings coming out of Seattle Seahawks training camp. And now we're on to preseason and still nothing from Gary Jennings. Gary Jennings was a reach by the Seattle Seahawks. No one thought that Gary Jennings would go that early in day three. Did you expect Gary Jennings to get drafted in the early fourth round, Nate?
0: Uh, Knowing Seattle's history of fourth round picks and Seattle having the foresight to know that they were going to lose Doug Baldwin and that Gary Jennings was a prolific slot receiver. um, I'm not surprised by it with with premier athleticism. it, It does make sense in Seattle. But to your point, the buzz has not been great.
1: No mock drafters had Gary Jennings going in the early fourth round. They just didn't. Even though he has a 95th percentile spark score, he's very athletic, and he was super productive at West Virginia, and he's young. He's 21 years old. I like Gary Jennings. He checks a hell of a lot of boxes, but he's not generating any kind of buzz in training camp. He's not seized that role from David Moore. The lack of buzz and attention given to Gary Jennings in preseason makes me feel even more comfortable acquiring David Moore in all leagues, just making sure you get David Moore thrown in if your opponent, your trade partner, has David Moore, Insist that they include David Moore in the deal. Because, you no, know, David Moore, he's from East Oklahoma State. Eh, that sounds like a fake school. And He'll never surpass D.K. Metcalf and Tyler Lockett on that depth chart. He's just a placeholder wide receiver until Gary Jennings develops into that true number three that Seattle wants him to be. And I call bullshit on that notion. D.K. Metcalf has to prove to me that he's the number two in Seattle. And until then, David Moore and his impressive athletic profile... And his history of production in the NFL that he established last year, which is much more important than college production will ever be. I lean David Moore winning that number two wide receiver job in Seattle and outperforming his ADP significantly across all formats.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't know about this. This seems this whole bit seems like a stretch from top to bottom.
1: He's a Seahawk. How do you not love David Moore?
0: I do love David Moore. I just don't think that David Moore is going to leapfrog D.K. Metcalf to the point where David Moore is going to be a startable option.
1: D.K. Metcalf is a raw rookie. You know, he's no Hakeem Bustler. <laughs> no one's that bad. <laughs> no,
0: <laughs> it's, it's always a dig. No, but there's just David Moore is going to be a, a, a so stupid, a best ball option at, at best. You can't count on him for weekly production. We love Russell Wilson. We love how efficient he is. I
1: think there's a chance that if Brian Schottenheimer turns up the dials on the pass volume and Seattle's defense craters, Russell Wilson will be forced to throw the ball more, set a career high in attempts, and the number two receiver on Seattle will necessarily be fantasy relevant on a weekly basis. And... At this moment, I project that to be David Moore.
0: Yeah, we're going to agree to disagree all day on this. Just because DK Metcalf has been making waves in training camp, David Moore has made some noise. He's been around. They drafted two players that were brought to this roster with the intentions of, of usurping him. They didn't draft them to replace David Moore. You said earlier they drafted them to replace Doug Baldwin. Gary Jennings was drafted to replace Doug Baldwin. DK Metcalf was drafted because they needed a guy like this on this roster.
1: No, DK Metcalf was only drafted because he fell to the late second round. The Seattle Seahawks had no plans to draft DK Metcalf. I don't believe that they believe that DK Metcalf is a fit for their system and Russell Wilson, but they couldn't pass up the value in the late second round. And now they're trying to shoehorn in this player... That's not designed for this offense.
0: I don't think that I don't think that's true at all. I mean, he's he's played extremely well in practice thus far. He's got tons of hype. Russell Wilson has completely supported him, which is the opposite of what he's done for Gary Jennings. And though DK Metcalf did fall, I'm not sure that DK was necessarily their guy, but a guy like DK Metcalf being there. Seattle traded way back. They do this year over year. DK Metcalf being there, he he was the type of player that this offense has been trying to, to infuse into it for a very long time. You have been wanting them to
1: infuse a prototypical X receiver, but what I'm telling you is the Seahawks' philosophy is we need our wide receivers to be fundamentally sound and super versatile, similar to the wide receiver group in San Francisco. And that ain't DK Metcalf.
0: Yeah, but bear in mind, you're you're talking about Doug Baldwin. They didn't draft Doug Baldwin. He's an undrafted free agent that ascended, that, that made himself great along with Russell Wilson. These guys that have been staples in this offense for the past few years, yes, they traded up for Tyler Lockett in the third, but they didn't draft Doug Baldwin. So that's not even, it's not like they have this archetype that they've been working with. Doug Baldwin was a hit as an undrafted free agent. So I believe that getting a receiver all along was the plan in Seattle. It is a razor-thin wide receiver depth chart, and they had to make a move and to go get a guy like DK. Who, yes, he did fall for whatever reason. If it was the three cone, which I believe is overthinking it. If it was the lack of college production, more likely it was the injury history. He's had some significant injuries over his career. I mean, he, we've seen it. We can. How does DK Metcalf even run at full speed? With the drag
1: created from all these red flags, it's,
0: it's a great question. But the point is, he's been great thus far, and it, it'll be exciting. We're going to get to see him and Russell Wilson by the time this airs. This will have already happened. I think you're going to see him make some big plays with Russell Wilson this Thursday night. If they, I can't remember if they played Thursday or not, but you're going to see him and Russell Wilson link up. I think people are going to see it on a big stage. The hype train is going to start. I, I agree with you. Own David Moore. Because an injury to DK Metcalf, or if if you're right, if D- if David Moore passes him, I don't think he will. Then owning him is fine, but DK Metcalf is a staple in this offense, and I don't believe he's going anywhere.
1: They may rest Tyler Lockett and David Moore because they don't want to risk an injury to their starters.
0: Oh, here we go. Here we, here we go. Good God.
1: <laughs> I'm really good at this podcasting thing. You are a champion. Oh, my God. I really am. You mentioned Doug Baldwin was undrafted. You want to ask me about some more teams and I can give you undrafted players that I think have a chance to be something
0: someday? Yeah, let's. Uh, I, I'm down. I, I know this has been a hit. I've had people DM me and ask me, Is it true? Is Matt Kelly just off the top of his head, queuing up the players that you're basically thinking of in your head? And I said, yeah, I said, this is what he does. This is Matt Kelly to a T. He has this ability. It's a very
1: specific, very lame ability. I mean, if you could have any ability on planet Earth, this particular ability is very niche
0: and extremely useless. But let's continue. And though you're married, this also wouldn't get you any chicks. This is not a chick magnet move. This particular skill is only impressive to a very small group of Sicko
1: Diehard Dynasty leaguers.
0: Okay. Well, let's let's kick it off. I got a team that I'm thinking of. I need a deep player on a on a roster that some people are a fan of and some are not, the Tennessee Titans. Is there anybody on the Titans?
1: Oh, yes. A Sonic Truth favorite, Alex Barnes, Mm. because Derrick Henry's already hurt. Derrick Henry has missed a lot of camp time with a sprained ankle, and you know how NFL teams are about injury information disclosure. They hate doing it, especially any head coach that has ever been affiliated with the New England Patriots. Is there a coach in Tennessee that was once affiliated with the New England Patriots? Mike Vrabel, Nate. Mike Vrabel, I, heaven forbid I ask you a question that you can answer at any point in the show. I wasn't ready for that
0: one. Clearly. I'm sorry. Cle- clearly.
1: So you shouldn't be surprised if we find out a week or two from now that this ankle injury of Derrick Henry's is more significant than originally thought. And what if I told you that there is a between-the-tackles grinder on this team that could step in and replace Derrick Henry and be productive Because he has a 153.6, 99th percentile SparkX score. (gasps) Super productive at Kansas State. And I mean 38.1%, 87th percentile college dominator level productive. So Alex Barnes was actually the most athletic of the mega producer running backs in the 2019 NFL draft. And he went undrafted, which tells you that we still have a long way to go pollinating NFL teams with player profiler or player pages. Not enough NFL teams are on playerprofiler.com, evidenced by Alex Barnes going undrafted. It's just inexcusable. But you look at that Tennessee Titans depth chart behind, between the tackles grinder, Derrick Henry. And satellite
0: back, Deion Lewis, sits Alex Barnes. God. See, this is why people tune into the show. This is, this is why right here, Matt. Okay, this is a player that I was, I was high on, and I want to see if you can dig deep in the memory bank and pull this guy back up. Oh. Shared a backfield with another guy that joined the NFL this year. Okay. Green Bay Packers. Give me a deep name. Oh, well, Darren Hall. Bingo. Nailed it. We love
1: Darren Hall. He's better than Kadre Olison, who was drafted by the Atlanta Falcons. Imagine if Darren Hall went to the Atlanta Falcons on day three. We would be talking about Darren Hall the way we talk about Brian Hill. The problem is Darren Hall goes undrafted, lands on the Browns, lands on the Bengals, and is now on his third team already this offseason. This is a terrible sign. Terrible. But I just can't get past the 7.5 college yards per carry and the measurables. That Athletically, he's best comparable to Sony Michel and super efficient at the college level. I just think the NFL is missing something with Darren Hall. And this is another quietly thin depth chart that we see in Green Bay. Because, yes, we like Aaron Jones, like we like Derrick Henry. But then after Aaron Jones, there's a drop to Dexter Williams and... Jamal Williams, certainly Dexter Williams is a better player than Jamal Williams. If I were starting a franchise today, I would much prefer Dexter Williams. But Dexter Williams only has one partial season of college production, and his measurables aren't any better than Darren Hall's. So I think that Darren Hall has a real chance to usurp Jamal Williams on this thin Packers backfield and start the season as the number 3 running back, especially since... Jamal Williams is hurt. He hasn't been practicing. So Darren Hall ultimately, after three tries, landed on the right offense, the right backfield, an opportunity to be active on game days.
0: It's not likely, but it's possible. So going back to Darren Hall there, Darren Hall had an insane agility score. Especially for a guy that's 217
1: pounds. Size-adjusted agility for days.
0: So I'm thinking of another player... Bigger than he is. Very similar ability in the agility score category.
1: He's big too?
0: Yeah. Los Angeles Rams. Can you give me a guy on the Rams that might fit this?
1: Size-adjusted agility for days. You must be talking about Malcolm Brown. Malcolm Brown underachieved at Texas, just like Darren Hall underachieved at Pitt. The problem with Malcolm Brown is he wasn't efficient at Texas either. But he has that great size-adjusted agility Better than average Spark X score. And that's all you need, man. If you're a running back with size and you've stuck on a roster for the last few years, Malcolm Brown's now 26 years old. If you're in demand when you hit free agency, the only reason Malcolm Brown is a Ram is because Los Angeles matched Detroit's offer, showing that they want this player on the roster. The Rams value Malcolm Brown because Malcolm Brown is the true handcuff to Todd Gurley. The Rams drafted Darrell Henderson because they played the Saints. They saw what Alvin Kamara can do. Many teams across the NFL, the Patriots are another one, they practice with the New Orleans Saints. Bill Belichick and Sean Payton are close. And Belichick saw how the Saints were deploying Alvin Kamara, and he wanted his version of Alvin Kamara. That's why Belichick overdrafted Sony Michel. And the Rams, same thing drafted Darrell Henderson to be their Alvin Kamara, not their Mark Ingram. The grinder role in Los Angeles belongs to Todd Gurley, and if anything happens to Todd Gurley, it's going to be a 60-40 opportunity share split with Malcolm Brown getting the lion's share of the touches if anything happens to Todd Gurley. That's bad news for Darrell Henderson owners. You're receiving bad news from the Podfather, and you just have to eat it.
0: eat it. Eat it. Eat it, eat it, eat it, eat it, eat it, eat it. Harkening back to our Yankovic. Well, that'll be at the end of the show. They don't even know yet. They don't know. You do this all the time. You
1: spoiler the music videos we're about to break down because you forget that this show is recorded out of order.
0: You can't take me anywhere, Matt. You're very bad at this. I'm sorry. This is my first time. We're over 100 shows in feels like a thousand (laughs) (laughs) okay all right here's one so i don't want to give you the position because i i I like to i like to make you work for this your brand is a sponge you've thought about all these players already you draw it up on a whiteboard you you predict everything you project what it's going to be here's a here's a name i'm looking for this is deep and most people aren't going to pull this name I'm thinking of a player on the Chicago Bears. Give me somebody deep on the Bears. Well, the theme is great size-adjusted
1: agility, right? Oh, it is. A tight end on the Bears with the best size-adjusted agility you're going to see is Ben Braunecker. And you might say, well, Ben Braunecker, there's no way he's ever going to be relevant. And to that I say, aha! How many times do we see multiple tight ends get injured on the same team in the same season and the number 3 tight end, is being picked up across fantasy football. It happens time and time and time again. And Ben Braunecker has a 78th percentile Spark X score because his agility score, in particular, 1110, 94th percentile, a 250 pound man with an 1110 agility score, that's hard to do. That's a lot faster than many running backs and wide receivers. And he went undrafted. He's from Harvard. The NFL did not appreciate Ben Braunecker, but that's a thin tight end depth chart in Chicago. Trey Burton is a one-dimensional move tight end. He'll never be a two-way tight end. And Adam Shaheen is a one-dimensional in-line tight end. So they're playing tight end by committee in Chicago. But when you look at Ben Braunecker, he has the size, he has the athleticism, and he has the college dominance to be Chicago's first all-purpose two-way tight end since Greg Olson.
0: Okay, this one one will test you. I mean, were you not impressed by that? Ben fucking Braunecker? Who pulls Ben Braunecker? I'm just desensitized to it, Matt. Who could possibly
1: hype a player like Ben Braunecker better than I did? How were you not more impressed?
0: I don't know, Matt Waldman. All right, so I've got another team for you right here. And I, I am thinking... I'm thinking not just one, Matt. I think you can do two. And I want two players from this roster. Deep, deep. This is a team that I feel like has has some nuggets on it. The Detroit Lions have a couple players that I'm thinking of in particular. You know what's interesting about the Detroit Lions
1: is they picked up or drafted two wide receivers from Old Dominion. The best college offense that nobody saw last season was Old Dominion. And I'm thinking about John Duhart, and I'm thinking about Travis Fulgham. Both of these players are interesting. They hogged all the targets at Old Dominion between them, and they're both interesting athletes. And if you think about this Detroit Lions depth chart, there's not a lot behind Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones. There's just not a lot. I mean, can you name any wide receivers beyond those two? I don't want to name any wide receivers beyond those two. Have you seen Travis Fulgham's profile on playerprofiler.com? I have. I mean, he's a six-round pick. 71st percentile college dominator, 84th percentile catch radius. So he's above average across the board. And you might think, oh, well, he's probably small, right? He's 5'11", 190, big deal. No, no. Fulgham is 6'2", 215, and he's best comparable to Michael Gallup. And he was drafted. It's not like he went undrafted he's the best drafted wide receiver that nobody talks about, and he's on an offense that is begging for a third receiver to step up and start making some plays. It could be his teammate at Old Dominion. This guy went undrafted. He doesn't have the same level. He doesn't have the same. He doesn't have in his athletic profile isn't quite as impressive, but he was just as dominant at Old Dominion, and he was more dominant at an early age, John Duhart. Who does the breakout finder prefer between Folgum and Duhart?
0: It's going to prefer Folgum. Do you know that for a fact, or are you just making that up? No, I'm just making that up because there's no tight ends in it. These are wide receivers. I thought Duhart came across as a tight end. What? No, he was. Well, here's the thing. He's not going to—Duhart won't be in it anyways because he didn't get drafted, so you're going to just have to take that out. This is going in the outtakes, and you're awful
1: right now. You are running on empty like I've never seen you. Look at you. Look at your posture. Look at your disposition. <sighs> You can't wait for the show to be over, and I'm doing
0: all the work. (laughs) How is this possible? It's an undeniable fact. It's hot as hell in this room. Give me one more. Feed me. Let's do one more. This is a player that I know we love, so this is going to be easy for you, I'm sure. This one. The rest were hard. This one will not be. New Orleans Saints. Give me one name. I've been wanting to talk about New Orleans for weeks
1: because we love... Divine Oxigbo. Now, I like to call him Devine, but I think it's pronounced Divine. And like Alex Barnes, Devine Oxigbo going undrafted was embarrassing for the NFL. Like, egg on their face for not drafting Divine Devine Oxigbo. He's 220 pounds with a 124.9 82nd percentile burst score and a 70th percentile agility score. And... He was an active pass catcher out of the backfield at Nebraska, and when they handed in the ball, he put up 7.1 yards per carry. So he was efficient in all phases and was an impressive size-adjusted athlete, and the motherfucker doesn't get drafted? Doesn't get drafted? Shame on you, 32 men who call yourselves NFL general managers. So he was efficient in all phases, and was an impressive size-adjusted athlete, and the motherfucker doesn't get drafted? Doesn't get drafted? Shame on you, 32 men who call yourselves NFL general managers. How's that? Is that a show? Is that a good punctuation?
0: It was a good. It was a good show. It was a good punctuation. I want to put this fan on, but I think it would have picked the fan up the whole time. Well, buddy, good show. We started with nothing; we turned it into something. Uh, what if
1: Leonard Fournette can catch? Everyone says that he's prime for a bounce-back season.
0: I'm ready for that. I, I I think Leonard Fournette can catch. I don't know why he can't. I've heard he can. I heard he played wide receiver in high school or some shit. Well, you know how LSU is. So they didn't really give him a chance to uh, do anything. Yeah, it's not like any of those guys get a chance to show off their receiving skills. Asterious guys. Sigmund Bloom dropped the most sexual commentary I've heard in quite some time on the show I didn't get a chance to bring up the Pat Doherty thing I forgot to tell him that on your show you were probing Pat Doherty to talk shit about him But Pat's such a sweetheart he couldn't do it Did you hear that? I haven't heard it yet, no, I haven't gotten to it
1: Oh my god, dude, it's so funny
0: (laughs) I love Pat, man God
1: It's so funny, dude, like it's so funny
0: That's the guy you beat?
1: Yeah, that's I beat in the championship, 6-0, 6-0. Gene. Oh my gosh, hilarious. You can see the photo of Gene and I post-match on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash (laughs) podfather. Oh my gosh. Let's just say he had some mobility issues. Did you talk trash as you buried him? No, I was being really nice because he was struggling. He was on his second match. You have to play multiple matches a day, and if you're younger, you're a real advantage. Like, apparently he played okay in the first match.
0: Clearly. Well, that that second match with you was right during his nap time, so that was an unfortunate-
1: Then he has to get his body ready to play a second match, and I hit some drop shots on him that were just cruel.
0: (laughs) Oh my god.
1: It was cruel and unusual. They had to appeal it to the Supreme Court that it was cruel and unusual.
0: I just picture this guy with skin knees on both of them looking up over the net as you've dropped just tens of 20 shots on him. This is a
1: violation of the Eighth Amendment. <laughs>
0: this is not okay. Oh man,
1: this guy. That's hilarious. He got me to deuce a few times. Did he? But then I
0: dropped the hammer on him. <laughs> had to turn it up. AKA a drop shot. <laughs> That's so good. Just barely out of his reach. Oh.
1: I remember one situation where he had the ad and I drop shot at him. <laughs> and that was as close as he came to getting a game. Gotta gotta get home. I like you, Gene. You're a nice guy, but I am going for the bagel here.
0: <laughs> so good. Oh man, that's hysterical. It was on clay. Workout. I had
1: a bunch of aces. You just you can't ace people on clay, but he just his mobility was just
0: playing on clay, man. He he wasn't getting to much. That is just i got to look at this. What is this Discover Pods link? Have you seen that?
1: The number one podcast for fantasy football. Are you? We are. According to this article on the internet. Holy smokes. The internet is undefeated.
0: Wow. I even got my name in there. Oh, yeah. Wow, look at that In, in lights. Who wrote this thing? Who is this guy? Oh, my God. He spelled my name wrong. Oh, God. He put a T on it.
1: No, he didn't.
0: Yeah, he did. I swear to God. I'm looking at it. Nate List. Oh, God, where's Nathan Coleman at? Nate List? Not Nate List? Unbelievable! That's almost worse than calling me and company. Nathan Coleman, you're a dead man. Don't say that. He rated us number one in the world. (sighs) Shameful. That almost... It almost feels like that was intentional. He's a listener. He enjoys the show. I mean, he's a listener to all these shows. He's an unbiased voice. He doesn't have his own podcast. He's
1: he's not repping anybody.
0: I don't want to say that he's not unbiased, but... How did he create this list? Is it his? He created a list. He listens to all these shows and he thinks we're the
1: best. He's a tastemaker. It's what critics do. He's a podcast critic. He decided we're the best. That's how these lists get generated. And it's unbiased because he's not affiliated with us in any way. He's never written an article for us. He's not a sponsor of the show. We don't sponsor his content. He's just a consumer of the content and rates us number one.
0: Well, I think that's good for you and Nate List. You guys are going places. You're number one overall. It's great to hear. I can't wait to listen to that podcast with you two on it. I'm very interested.
1: It's completely unbiased. He's just a podcast connoisseur. And the most sophisticated podcast connoisseurs rate our show number one in the fantasy sports genre. He's
0: not wrong. He's not wrong, but I, I need a retraction. I need to I'll fix this egregious typo.
1: Yeah, I don't really have anything. I wish I had more on the show sheet. I literally just don't have takes. I wish I did, but I just, I've just i been moving. and We're sort of between preseason games. I don't know how many times we can talk about Terry McLaurin. I love Terry McLaurin a lot. I'm a huge fan of Terry McLaurin.
0: I mean, I know my pants come off every time we talk about him, so... He's amazing. It's a start. He's really, really good. <laughs> I just don't
1: have anything. Nick Chubb has moved up the rankings we haven't talked about Nick Chubb Nick Chubb is getting drafted in the first round and redraft nowadays and you, do you remember when Fournette was better than him I mean I remember when Fournette was going to be better than everybody James Connor what if he's just the bell cow and we're just all chasing our tails with Jalen Samuels
0: I think most of us think that he is the bell cow but Jalen Samuels is a threat to some of the workload the, what does that mean It means that Connor is going to get the lion's share, and with an injury, Jalen Samuels is a a high-end handcuff, but I think you have to buy in that James Connor is going to be the guy. There's no reason not to. I mean, what does the guy mean, though? That he's going to get the volume of the carries, you know, over 250 carries. That's a lot of carries, dude. You think so? 250? Well, How many times did Pittsburgh run the ball last year? It's way more than that. What about Rashard Higgins, man? He's interesting. That's the come-up, man. That's another one of those guys in the breakout finder. Um, the athleticism was never there, but uh, the production always was, and early. So it's been brought to my attention that
1: we weren't the first to some of this Nirvana smells like teen spirit mockery that a man named Al Yankovic, a genius, belittled Nirvana much better than we ever could many, many years ago. And now it's on us to comment on his commentary the layers of analysis that this show is reaching i mean we are drilling down into the earth commentating on a mock video of a rock video that, that echoes some of our commentary of that video a week prior did that make sense at all what i said you know i don't listen to the show let's check out weird al the song is smells like nirvana I can't wait. I love Nirvana, so I'm sure it smells great. There's your toe tap again.
0: I couldn't wear my socks like that, you know, just push down. It's uncomfortable.
1: There's your janitor, eating a bagel! Or is it a donut? I think it was a bagel. I can't believe this guy. He nailed the tone, though. What do you think of women that don't shave their armpits, Nate? Tell us the truth. What do you really think?
0: Not a fan. Not a fan. Not a fan.
1: Is it just me, or has Dave Grohl gained a few pounds? (laughs) Maybe. The hair is just in and out and in and out of his face.
0: There's the commentary on the
1: spotlight. There it is. I felt the same way. It appeared as if a very small person were always right next to whoever was featured in the video at that time.
0: I love that we don't know what he's saying, so they're just putting question marks after garbled words.
1: He has marbles in his mouth he's gargling marbles (laughs) in his mouth
0: Uh. (laughs) someone just got thrown out of the crowd about 20 feet dude remember we talked
1: about that that the video the first ever professional parkour person just ate
0: shit this is awesome oh
1: He rhymes Seattle with cattle. Have you ever heard that before?
0: Uh, no. Wow, that's next level. Oh, shoes are off.
1: There he is gargling again.
0: Oh, guy that's on fire steps into the scene. Oh, my. <laughs> Human torch. Everyone
1: in the crowd has a kazoo. Why not just play a Kazoo. <laughs> the song is so nonsensical. Why not just play a kazoo?
0: Full pickup basketball game that consumes the uh, the rhythm guitarist and he disappears out of scene. I love how when he makes the shot over his back on the 17 foot hoop, they wait that extra beat so
1: you know it was fake.
0: Ugh. A lot of food being smacked out of people's hands in this. Guys' arm just got pulled off. <laughs>
1: What exemplifies maximum anarchy? Uh, Beating the shit out of a Girl Scout offering us cookies.
0: Uh, I just love that some guy's arm got ripped off for absolutely no reason. <laughs> the guy's nose is getting pulled off with a pair of pliers.
1: They just blew up the school. This is so perfect.
0: Guy decides to cut his own hair while he's singing. Oh man. Wow, I am. I'm impressed.
1: (laughs) That was multiple levels of genius. Oh. They went with the grunge music trope that you can't understand any words that are being sung. But they did it (laughs) in such a clever way that it was hilarious nonetheless.
0: Oh, God, the guy getting his nose pulled out like 12 inches with a pair of pliers is just such like slapstick comedy, man.
1: Dude, Weird Al is Mr. Slapstick. Do you remember the first Weird Al video you
0: ever saw? Yeah, I do. I do. It was a uh, parody on a Michael Jackson song. Oh, was it Eat It? It was Eat It. Let's check it out together.
1: Anytime someone spits out coffee, I laugh. Oh, man.
0: oh, yeah, here we go. Coming out of a sewer and the overweight guy got caught. Someone
1: in the video is overweight. Weird Al always goes for that joke.
0: <laughs> oh, God, so... <laughs>
1: He did the thing where someone accidentally rips another person's head off again.
0: <laughs> ripped his head off and gave her a kiss threw her head
1: over the bar. Donuts make another appearance. Randomly eating donuts in places where people don't normally eat donuts.
0: Oh my god, Weird Al.
1: I want that t-shirt, the keyboard with the musical notes scattered all around it.
0: Oh man. His face is just so incredible still. When he kept these alt lyrics, the, the beat
1: it to eat it, you think he knew he had something?
0: Oh yeah. Look at this man. He comes out dressed like Michael.
1: He actually did a great job doing that exaggerated Michael Jackson dance move.
0: He's already got that slicked up hair too with
1: the little curls. Weird Al is talented. I think he's a legitimately good
0: dancer. Look at him. Door blows open, knocks a guy over. The slapstick is unbelievable.
1: He didn't even try to kick his heels up when he was leaning on the table there.
0: Walking around a pool hall, it's empty.
1: It doesn't matter what you had for lunch, Nate. You just have to eat it. Have a banana, have a whole bunch. It doesn't
0: matter what you had for lunch. Just eat it, eat it, eat it, eat it. Looks like we might have a bit of a showdown here. I don't even know. Everybody's...
1: Oh, I, I love it. I love the dancing gang warfare.
0: I think a guy just got wheeled out on a dolly.
1: They say you draw a knife, I draw a gun. These guys draw a fork, the other guy draws a spoon.
0: Oh, man. Look how sweaty weird Al The syncopated dancing.
1: The only thing we're missing here are cheerleaders that don't shave their pits.
0: Drop. What is, what did he drop in his drink? Is that Alba Seltzer? I just have to say, as I scroll down below this YouTube video, Weird Al Yankovic's tour. Uh, as I look at my watch, it is August 14th. August 16th, he is in Seattle at Paramount Theater. Get yourself an egg and
1: Have some more chance. You know what they did there? They conflated Beat It with Thriller at the very end. Weird Al had those yellow monster eyes. Oh, just so many levels, man. So many levels of parody here. He's elite compared to Bortles. It's not the bell curve, it's the Bortles curve. I I pray for the 45-minute shows, Matt. Deshaun Watson is going to break
0: fantasy football this year. I, I pray for the 45-minute shows, Matt. Shut your mouth. I will not shut it. We have heard exactly nothing. Absolutely nothing. We're, we're getting ready for that Antifa throwdown this weekend. Oh, is it right? Oh, my God. <laughs> I think so. It's, it's there, I think it's this weekend. There's going to be a massive, the Proud Boys and Antifa are just going to brawl it out. Are they still doing that? It's so tired. Antifa
1: and the Proud Boys, it's just so tired. Everyone is bored of it by now.
0: I'm thinking about uh, selling pay-per-view tickets. I'll just go in there with a live cam and just (laughs) get the brawl firsthand. This is going to be the one for the ages. Day three, ew. And we're not supposed to say Aaron Hernandez's name on here. You're going to lose sponsors, dude. ApexFantasyLeagues.com I think
1: it's Apex Fantasy Leagues. Let, let me, let me, let me go there. I'm pretty sure I got that right.
0: Uh, I am a dog person, but the, this dog in particular is just. Uh, here we go. She thinks she's the ultimate guard dog, but truth be told, she'd just get in my way if we ever had to handle anything in this house. Too much buzz. Darren Waller is
1: officially overrated. That's why you need to roster Foster Moreau. That's right, roster Foster. You gotta roster Foster Moreau. Get Foster on your roster. I'm so good at rhyming, you would think I'd be better at rapping, but I'm just not.
0: No, I, I don't. I wouldn't think you'd be better at rapping at all, to be honest. Remember La Miller Vanilla? No, I, I don't. I wouldn't think you'd be better at rapping at all, to be honest.
1: How does DK Metcalf even run at full speed with the drag created from all these red flags?
0: Unbelievable. That's almost worse than calling me hand company. Nathan Coleman, you're a dead man. Now, he's no Hakeem Bustler. <laughs> no one's that bad.
1: <laughs> nope. <laughs> always a dig. He's directly in his prime, not in decline. Don't. Just stop. We talked about Don Dontrella Hilliard for at least two minutes on the Sonic Truth podcast last week. You were there. I saw you in the monitor. You don't remember?
0: I'm not here right now.
1: Prototypical Alpha X receivers. There's not enough of them, and we should appreciate the ones we have while they're here, especially while they're in their prime. (gasps) Hundreds, literally hundreds of touchdowns. Yeah. I can't believe that season happened. Like, I still can't believe it. (gasps) Yeah. You're receiving bad news from the podfather and you just have to eat it. That, 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 Nate, is the greatest wide receiver season of all time.
0: This is not a chick magnet move.
1: Not dichotomy. Dichotomy, Nate. (gasps) Yeah. (gasps) Yeah. (gasps) Yeah. Riley Ridley is going to do exactly squat, and I call bullshit. He's the original Hollywood. He is the original, yes. The real Hollywood.
0: And then he got cancer. This is not a chick magnet move. Oh my.
1: Oh my.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't know about this. This seems. This whole bit seems like a stretch. I thought Duhart came across as a tight end. What?
1: You're going to have to take that out. This is going in the outtakes, and you're awful right now. You can't wait for the show to be over and I'm doing all the work. <laughs> it's an undeniable fact. Weird Al smells like Nirvana. Have you
0: seen this fucking video, dude? <laughs> no, what is this? You wait, wait, you haven't seen that? Weird Al, no. I haven't watched anything with Weird Al in at least two decades.
1: He makes fun of a bunch of the things about the Smells Like Teen Spirit episode that we actually mentioned. You haven't seen this video? Oh my God, it's so funny. Yeah, this is all Ryan. I mean, were you not impressed by that?
0: Ben fucking Braunecker? Who pulls Ben Braunecker? I'm just desensitized to it, Matt. Shut your mouth. I will not shut it. You
1: don't think Weird Al is gonna play Smells Like Nirvana in Seattle, Nate?
0: I thought Duhart came across as a tight end.
1: What? Yeah! Because you
0: forget that this show is recorded out of order. You can't take me anywhere, Matt. You're very bad at this. I'm sorry, this is my first time. We're over a
1: hundred shows in.
0: You can't wait for the show to be over. And I'm doing all the work. It's an undeniable fact. You can't take me anywhere, Matt.